This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with a full house today. We have Andrew D. Bailey. You can and should follow him on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. We also have Mo DeKeel. You should be following him on Twitter at Mo DeKeel underscore MBA. That's M O D A K H I L underscore MBA. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. The show is at Hardwood Knox, at Hardwood Knox. As always, we ask that you check out the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Be sure to check out all the good content rolling out out there. We really have the market quartered on the NBA, the NBA draft, and the NFL. You will not regret checking out some of our other podcasts. And last but not least, I just want to make our Annual podcasting note, or not annual, but episodely, whatever it is. Please remember <laughs> to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We are wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, Art19, Google Play, all that good-ish. But iTunes is still the best way to let us know that you are out there listening and that Andy, myself, and Mo are not yelling into the void. With all those housekeeping notes out of the way, I throw it to Andy and Mo. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm I'm doing great. I'm a little bit tired. A lot happened today, it felt like, in the NBA world. And it's not, like, completely draft-related, which is annoying. <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys realize that we're still, like, uh, two weeks away from the official start of free agency? Man, Andy, free agency started a long time ago. It's amazing. <laughs> It's it like, is just amazing. It's it's like the I don't it's like the way that Anthony Davis's, you know, clutch sports tried to push up the timeline on trade requests now. It's just free agency is basically a year long thing. Maybe yeah. it always was behind the scenes, but now on Twitter and in these newsers, it seems like free agency is happening 24/7/365. And it is. Well, <laughs> since we since we last met, Mo and I had recorded a deep dive on the Anthony Davis uh, trade to the Lakers, also winning on where the Celtics go. All of that stuff is now completely useless. Um, since then, we've received confirmation 10 times over that Kyrie's not going back to Boston, but Al Horford opted out. And reports are, first to it was Steve Bulpit from the Boston Herald, and has since been been confirmed by, I think, both Sham Sharania of The Athletic and Woj over at ESPN. There might have been other people talking about it too, that Al Horford and the Celtics are no longer negotiating another contract and he intends to sign a four-year deal elsewhere mo how surprised by this are you i'm really stunned uh it was funny because you 
you had mentioned it on the last podcast, you know, that you, you had said, like, is there a possibility Horford can opt out and, and, and leave? And I was just like, no, he's going to opt out and resign. You know, I, I, I expected that to happen. Um, you know, I, I didn't say it on the pod, but I thought you were crazy when you said that, Dan. Um, and uh, that was not a like, prediction. It was an innocent question. I didn't think he was going to leave either. Dan, you're blowing it. Totally take the credit, man. No, I'm going to uh, take the credit when Jeremy Lin makes an all-star team next year for a team that's not the Celtics. That's when I'll take the credit. Man, Dan, like, see, yeah, you are crazy. Like, you're, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm, I'm shocked. Like, when the news came out that it was like he's, you know, when it first came out that he was opting, I was like, yeah, he's going to resign. It's not a big deal. And then, like, in a matter of, like, five or six hours, all of a sudden it was like, nope, he's done. He's not coming back to Boston. So, uh, that, I mean, that completely caught me off guard. Andy, what say you? Are you in the same camp? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if anything shocks me in the NBA anymore. Uh, I, I guess I didn't really see this coming, but I wasn't like floored by the news, especially with how much turmoil there seems to have been with Boston for the last, oh, I, I don't know. What's it, what's it been since? Kyrie Irving suddenly turned cold on them. Um, I, I don't Whenever know exactly. the KP anything. trade came about. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when the exact date was, but it just, it feels like we've all been kind of, it's, it's just been kind of barreling towards unraveling that that was quite the, I don't even know if that was a mixed metaphor. Who knows what that was. Um, We're all just so rumor drunk right now. It's just really hard. <laughs> it's been falling apart for a while. Um, did you guys see the report? It wasn't even a report. It was, I don't even know if Jackie McMullen was just saying her opinion or what, but she said it all started to fall apart when Brad Stevens was force feeding Gordon Hayward. Uh, all the, all the drama and the madness around not only the Celtics, but the Lakers. And I'm sure we'll get to all the craziness that's going on with them today too. Uh, I, I just love that these two, the two leading teams in NBA history and championships are just giving us all this juicy uh content today it's 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 been a blast for me do either of you have any destinations that you could see al horford ending up at um <laughs> don't all answer at once <laughs> i i have none um it, the thing here's the thing about al horford is he fits everywhere he goes like he's the guy you want to have he's a dream to coach he's going to do all the little things he's Good, you know, I don't know the numbers off the top of my hand, but he's a threat from the three-point range. He's definitely a threat at the elbows. Decent post player, can rebound well, great defender. Like, he just does everything you possibly want. So I can't imagine there's a team that's going to be like, oh, well, we don't really want Al Horford. I mean, it, it's – I think just wherever he goes, he lifts those teams up. And on top of all that, he just seems to be a great locker room guy. So um, he really fits in – pretty much on all 30 teams it's just a matter of uh who has the, the space open for him and, and and where he might end up uh but it's like whoever gets him they're getting a hell of a player even if he's lost a step or two i don't i don't think i can predict where he's gonna go and i don't think he will go where i'm about to say <laughs> but I, I had to write an article for bleacher report about a week ago that was like surprise teams that every nba or the top 10 nba free agents should consider and I threw out the Kings for Al Horford. If they move on from Willie Colley Stein and they get they get Horford on like a decent, I don't know, four years, sixty million, maybe a little bit more than that type of a deal, 
maybe he can fill that sort of Paul Millsap role that he has with the Nuggets for the last couple of years, go to a young team with some intriguing young pieces, be sort of the stabilizing veteran presence on the roster. I know they tried to do this with George Hill and Zach Randolph a couple of years ago, but I think they were just a little bit premature there and and maybe weren't quite the right veterans to go with. I think Horford would be such a steady presence on that team. Um, Fox, healed, Bagley. Uh, yeah, Fox, Heal, Bagley, uh, Horford. It, it's There's a lot of interesting possibilities there. Look, if you could get Al Horford for four years and $60 million, he wouldn't be leaving Boston right now. Would be You might you might need to make that four years and $100 million if you want to see him on the Kings. But the, you think the, he's going to get up to $25 million a year? Why else would he leave Boston? Because be it's a, a mess? That's, okay, that, fair. But then I don't know why he'd go to the Kings. I'm not even taking a shot at the organization right now, but... Would, they've been fairly stable, at least. It yeah, seems like people would, like Divots for the last few years. You would leave to go to a contender if you're leaving the mess of the Celtics and you're not prioritizing money. Let me right? let me reiterate that I said I don't think he's going there. By the way, no, I think he right. should go there. Get four years and the hundred million. They have like after Barnes opted out, they have a clear path to like sixty plus million dollars in cap space. So I think he's a good fit there. I just don't think a, a team like Sacramento, I think, would inherently have to overpay someone anyway. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're maybe they're a team that could justify paying him like twenty five million a year. I mean, I would do it, but you know the 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 thing is too. I, and I think I might have even read a tweet from from a couple of people who, of course, I can't remember now. Um, but you know, and I, and I kind of <clears throat> whoa, where'd that come from? I kind of understand uh, this reasoning where it's like he's tired of kind of being the dad in the locker room, and that's kind of what yeah. he was in Boston. You know, with those young guys. And then every time Kyrie said something crazy, you know, people would come running to him because, you know, he's the sane one. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 I kind of I, I kind of would see him bristling at the opportunity to to go from one young, young locker room to another. I know what you're saying. Like, you didn't think he, you, you knew it wasn't likely that he would he, he would consider them. But I really think he's going to end up somewhere that's championship caliber. uh place and 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 an area where he can right away win i think it's gonna wherever he goes it's gonna be a veteran heavy squad is my guess and i'm gonna say this and i and i kind of hate myself a little bit for saying it but i mean the lakers might be a possibility ad hates the five and lebron hates the four so al horford al horford would make a lot of sense there yeah man i mean he's perfect for them to be honest for for what they need um basically i mean they need everything right now they don't have anything um, but, uh, he, he, he does kind of make sense for that team. And, and, and if he's looking to kind of not be with a bunch of young guys, I mean, that's, that's one of those places that's, that, that that's one of those opportunities for him. Hey, Dan, I know you told me to hit you on the side with this, but I'm going to give the listeners a little peek behind the curtain. I, I am indeed going to be called away for some bleach report stuff for about five minutes. So you guys riff on without me. All right. Let us put some clothes on since you open the curtain. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Mo, what do you think about this? Has been thrown out there. If the Clippers end up getting Kawhi as Al Horford uh, and the Clippers there, I think that's another good spot. I mean, that'd be a great spot for him too. Um, you know, and 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 again, wherever I, I do want Kawhi to become a Clipper because I just want LA to be the center of NBA basketball again. Um, and if both the Clippers and Lakers are really good, it'll, it'll, it'll be more fun for me. Cause that's by the way, listeners, you'll learn eventually. All I really care about is me. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a great spot for them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something where I feel like they do need another big, I think even if they bring in, I mean, obviously Kawhi is Kawhi, but having that other big is going to really help. 
I felt like they, as good as Montrez Harrell is, there's a reason why they like to bring him off the bench and they don't like him going against starters. Um, I, I think this is, that's another really good fit for him. I mean, that's another team, you know, that's veteran heavy, not, I mean, they got some kids, but it's not like he's got to be the, the, the papa bear in that locker room. And that, I mean, that puts them over the top. I think, I think them getting Kawhi, uh, if they were to get Kawhi would probably make them one of the better teams in the West, them getting Kawhi and Al Horford makes them the best team in the West. And I don't even care about LeBron. And I mean, I care about LeBron and AD, but I still think the Clippers would be better with those guys and still having uh, Lou Williams coming off the bench. Montrez Harrell, if they're able to re-sign Patrick Beverly, I mean, God, that'd be a hell of a team. Would you view them as a, I don't know how appealing they'd be to him, but would you view them as a potential destination for Horford, even if they don't get Kawhi? Because the center position, for this reason you said about Harrell, they're not exactly locked up at the moment there. Yeah, but I don't think so. Here's the thing. Here's my thing with the Clippers is I honestly think if they don't get Kawhi or KD, I just think they're going to kick the can f- to the next year. Like they're in no rush. Mm-hmm. Like that's the difference between them and the Lakers. The Lakers, ha- like we talked about, had to make that Anthony Davis trade because you have a small window with LeBron James. The Clippers were their eye was always towards 2021 with cap space and right around the time these young guys would blossom. Um, they, they found themselves in a situation now where it's like, wow, we can actually get Kawhi Leonard this year, this summer and, 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 and kind of uh, move forward relatively quick with this. I think that's a, uh, something that they weren't expecting, but something they would love to do. But th- Unlike other teams, I don't think the Clippers are going to be one of those teams where, like, if they strike out, they're just going to waste their money. Like, they look like the type of team that's really like, okay, these are the guys we want. If we don't get them, we're just going to run it back and 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 stick with our game plan. So um, I think that's kind of the plan for them. And, and, and so I wouldn't anticipate them to go after Horford if they don't have Kawhi Leonard in tow. A uh, couple other teams I saw mentioned, Dallas would be an interesting fit if you don't want uh, KP to play the five. I, th- I think he should be playing the five, but I think that comes back to the point that you were making about the Kings too. The Mavericks right. could end up being really good, but too many kids there. I, I saw Milwaukee thrown around a lot, and I know they can get to cap space, but I'm not getting rid of, you know, I I want Middleton over Horford at this point, really. And I don't know, you know, if you end up getting Horford and even keeping Middleton, you've you've had a shed salary and probably renounce Malcolm, Bro- Malcolm Brogdon in addition to getting rid of Lopez. It's an interesting fit, but I, I feel like the collateral damage of getting him there would just be too high. Yeah, no, I mean, you nailed it right there. I mean, it's just kind of, I think it'd be fun to think about, but it, Milwaukee, you, you, you want to get, you, really what Milwaukee needs more than anything else is like another playmaker. Um, and, and Horford's not that guy, uh, as good as he is and all the stuff he does. And, and you can run an offense through him. It just, he, he's, not, I don't know if he's necessarily that great of a, uh, a piece next to Giannis. And I think that's going to be kind of a, um, a thing. And, and again, you, they got to bring back Middleton. Uh, I'm scared at the number they're going to pay Middleton at, um, for, for what he brings and what he doesn't bring, but that's the guy you, you, you got to bring him in. You got to bring Brogdon back. You got to try to bring as many of those guys back as you can if the bucks. So I don't know if they, they'd really be a, a realistic shot at him. A team that I wish had cap space to go after Horford and they have not been mentioned the San Antonio Spurs, I feel like would be a fantastic fit. Oh God. Pop would love him. I'm going to throw one team at you. Same situation. They don't have the cap space, but I think, would have been a great, great fit, would have been Portland. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Especially with that, Nurk out, but just over Nurk, he'd probably be a better fit for them just because of his range on offense. Yeah, and then even then, like even pairing him with Nurk, I think would be would be something that could work. And and I just think it would be it would have been a lot of, a lot more fun if we we're in that situation where the uh, Blazers were going to have cap space this year to to chase after him because I think that'd be a guy they'd be interested in. My last question on this: Do you think then, just because I think you look at and there's there's a lot of this with all centers, it's so tough to find fits for all of them just based off how much are they going to get and which teams actually need centers. Do you then think that there's a possibility that this somhow gets remedied between Boston and Horford all of a sudden? Because it's, this isn't a decision that he makes and his agent makes if they're not, if they don't know the market for him. But it also feels weird that it's such a mystery that there haven't been other destinations concretely leaked to Horford, uh, Horford after hearing this news. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's possible, but I, I, I kind of doubt it. I think once you kind of go down this road where, you know, it's like, look, it, the I think the tweet from Woj was like they were very far apart on a number. Um, I think it's hard to kind of close that gap. I think the Celtics have a certain plan in their mind right now, and and their thought was like, well, if we can get Horford at this number, great. If not, we're we're willing to move on. Um, I mean, listen, the Celtics are going to lose Irving. It sounds like they're going to lose Horford. From what it sounds like, like we we could start to see we could start to finally see the Celtics actually go into a rebuild. Um, and and that's something that that we have to kind of keep an eye on. So I I don't know their urgency. You know, if if he wasn't going to come at the number they want him to come in at, I don't know Ainge's urgency to really kind of bring him back uh, at a, at a much higher number. You know, I think we saw I saw a tweet somewhere the Capella for Horford kind of sign and trade, which would have been interesting. But I, but I'm not sure how how great of a fit that would be for Boston without a true playmaker that we had talked about before. Yeah, and their archetype for bigs that they want is not like they don't. I know they have Robert Williams now, but they don't really seem to value like the rim runner types at center, right? Yeah, I mean they haven't in the past, but it's. I mean, listen, man, things are about to change in Boston. It's about to get really interesting, um, in in, in terms of figuring out what they're going to do. I think the uh, you know it, it, it might be a little bit lean uh, the next couple of years and, and, and letting these young kids develop. I mean, they still got a good young core with Tatum and Brown. And if they bring back Rozier, uh, you know, that, that core pieces that really kind of helped them in those, in that playoff run they made two years ago. So it's going to be interesting, but I just, I, I'm worried a little bit now for Boston. Once I heard the Horford nude, I was, I was like, Oh, this, this could be bad for them. It's weird because I think the Horford news hurts more, but losing Kyrie Irving, I think, functionally ends up meaning more because of how much they really needed playmaking. And Horford, for his position, for a big, just a fantastic playmaker, but just not the guy that's going to face up, attack off the dribble, and make those types of passes. And I know Irving's not the best passer either. It's just that, functionally, I think he means more to the Celtics, but when you look at what Al Horford probably meant to the locker room and just what he symbolized, maybe just that billboard or beacon of stability there. And to lose him, it almost stings more. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I want to ask you this question a little bit different. Um, why would the Nets go after him? The Nets go after Irving. Yeah. Like here's my, my, here's my, my view of it. Like I get how good Irving is, but you saw what he just did in that locker room in Boston. You know, and, right. and the Nets and the Nets have been doing a good job building a culture, putting all this stuff together and, and 
we've all praised Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson for the job they've done. It's been phenomenal. They they made it to the playoffs this year and you know won the first game of the series and and really had people thinking they were going to win that series. Um, you you know you, you had a good thing going. I know D'Angelo Russell's a, a, a restricted free agent, but it's like. It, it just kind of made sense to me to just say, hey, just run it back with this core and, and let these young guys grow. It just seems to me like uh, I get nervous anytime teams, not any times, but a lot of times when teams try to fast forward their, the, the development and, and rush to bring in a guy like Kyrie Irving. Cause it's like, I just, I mean, they bring Kyrie and it's like, it doesn't put them over the top. It doesn't make them a contender to me. I mean, if they bring Kyrie and somebody else with them, sure. But like, I don't know which I don't I just don't know kind of what Brooklyn's doing with that. Like I'm I'm not in love with the idea of him in Brooklyn, you know, kind of with these guys. I know the stuff about like Spencer Dinwiddie recruiting and and things like that. I'm like, yo, you know, you're not going to see the ball a lot, Spencer. <laughs> like well, you're, you're. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I just I, I I just don't know what they're doing. Like I'm I'm not sure if I buy this being the smartest path for the Nets, who've been kind of patient all along. And have been rewarded with it, and now I feel like they're 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 almost impatient. I yeah. share the concern. I'm back. Oh, great! We'll end the pod then. Um, <laughs> so, I I agree. The only two things I can think of, and one of them you touched upon, is that they know that they have a line to someone else if they get Kyrie Irving, because I don't think he's clearly an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell. But unless this is just like the biggest cultural flex in all of basketball, because the Nets have done so many things to establish those that good behind the scene juju when you look at think about how much turnover not so much this season but in the preceding seasons under Sean Mar- Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson and yet they maintain these great relationships with players and agents um they built that family room i think at Barclays Center so they've they've gone to, to such great lengths to establish themselves as this player friendly organization and maybe they think that they can transcend Kyrie Irving's unhappiness, or maybe they think it'll be different because Kyrie Irving's basically choosing his team for the first time in his career. I still wouldn't necessarily agree with the move. Unless, I guess, you know you're getting someone other than Irving. And who that player is, if I had to guess, I feel like Kevin Durant's off the table because of his injury, although maybe not. If he was willing to come, you still pay him. Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving wanted to play together. That was the big rumor last July before this AD and KD stuff came out. The other thing that makes me uncomfortable, though, is that if you only get Irving, the reports have been, at first, it was like, they'll try and play D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving together, which I didn't think would be a great fit. It could be a little bit complicated on offense. It would definitely be terrible on defense. And now the reports are that he's unlikely to return. And so even if you had to pay him near max or max money, D'Angelo Russell, letting him walk for nothing, I'd rather have the contract because I think it would be eminently movable, at least in the short term, when he's at the beginning of it, and people can still buy into his upside. So if you're signing Kyrie Irving, not signing another star, and then letting D'Angelo Russell walk without compensation, I fall firmly on Moe's side of the spectrum where it really would confuse the hell out of me, even though that as a basketball player, I do think Kyrie Irving is a noticeable upgrade over uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not arguing like Kyrie's a better player, but I just don't think it makes you that much better. Own, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and you know, uh, and to your Jimmy Butler thing, I mean, I think the idea with with Jimmy is if I mean, if Philly offers him five years, which I think they should, I I, I don't know how he turns that down. So, um, I guess that's that's kind of my thought. I just I'm just kind of 
almost sad a little bit that we're, we're Brooklyn's going to kind of be that team we uh, that we really enjoyed for a while, and they're they're going to turn into that. Like I'm just. I, I just don't know what – I don't like what they're doing right now. Well, Shams did say the Knicks are still in play, so maybe Kyrie surprises everybody and goes to orange and blue anyway. He he fits. He fits that that color scheme better. Yeah, the aura on MSG is just depressing. I don't know if either of you have had to like cover games there, but it's it's just depressing as hell. Andy, where do you, where do you land on all this stuff? Um, I So I, I think they should probably do it if Kyrie Irving wants to go there because you probably take the risk on the – just it's not a huge like chasm between D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving, but I think he's clearly better. So you probably take the talent upgrade, but I understand the concerns that Mo has voiced for sure. And I've actually thought about that myself. Like <laughs> the whole thing with when he was first traded to Boston was he gets his own team now and he's he's finally gets to be a leader, and it just failed in spectacular fashion. Um, the D, who, who did the deep dive at ESPN like right after the season ended? Um, it wasn't McMenamin, was it? I think it was. I can't. No, it was Bond Temps. I think. Um, which team are you even talking about right now? The Celtics. Okay, wasn't that McMenamin? Um, wasn't that Jackie Mack? Was it Jackie Mack? I thought Bond Temps had one, but I could be wrong. Um, anyway, there was there was some piece of ESPN that detailed just how terrible the leadership style of Kyrie Irving was, and you could really even see it before the piece came out uh, with all his weird quotes throughout the season. Um. <laughs> His his passive aggressive stuff that he learned at the school of LeBron James, uh, it, it just did not work with those young guys. And I don't think there's any reason to believe it's going to work better with a different set of young guys in Brooklyn. But maybe like you said, Dan, this is just like the ultimate bet on culture. And maybe they do have the culture to to be able to pull it off that Boston didn't necessarily have. And I think just because of the pure talent aspect of it, you you probably can take that risk because he's in terms of just basketball, he's probably a top 10 offensive player and maybe like a top 15 to 20 overall player. I, I think that's probably the range he's in. You guys can disagree with me if you want, but he's he's a fantastic basketball player. You just have to deal with all the other stuff that comes with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. I was waiting no, for you ahead, anyway. Dan. No, I no, think no, I, ahead, it's just, I, I think it comes back to what both of you were really just saying. I have a problem I, I agree with I almost agree with Andy that if he wants to come, you have to do it, particularly now that you've created the cap space. I just if you're not getting another star and and you're also letting D'Angelo Russell walk because of this, it just doesn't make that much sense to me. Do you think that I, I think we've talked about this before on previous episodes, but you do you think Russell and Irving work together? No. Offensively maybe, defensively definitely not. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. I, I mean, I think you could try, but I, I lean towards no. Well, I would rather go a different direction if I could. Thinks they'd be a dumpster fire on offense too. <laughs> well, I just think it's a it's a hard thing because they, they are too similar. Yeah, you know? and and they are both very ball dominant, and and maybe D'Angelo can play off the ball, but I'm not a fan of Kyrie off the ball. And I think if you're gonna play D'Angelo off the ball, you're not using it. You're not maximizing his abilities. And at that point, then you need to you, you need to find somebody else that you, who 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 you can, and 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 I just think it's a a, a bad thing. And 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 like you guys said, defensively, it's just going to be a, a a turnstile. Just God help the big man; he's going to get five fouls in the first quarter because there's going to be nobody stopping any drives. 
one thing the latest does do for the Celtics, they now have, if they renounce all their own free agents and then consolidate their draft picks, I think they have to get rid of one or two, or they can draft and stash them, obviously. They can get to max cap space. I do not ascribe any value to them being able to do that. This might give them more flexibility when they're looking for another playmaker, and I do think you're never going to be able to approximate Al Horford's value on the cheap, but I do think that you can find quality centers in general on the cheap, and so maybe this just gives them more maneuverability. But I don't I people have mentioned this on Twitter that what they could do for their cap space. I'm not renouncing Marcus Morris and I'm not high on Terry Rosier either, but I'm not renouncing the boat just to have the chance to swing and miss on guys because I don't know who among the big names is going to want to go to Boston now. Yeah, Boston has had a hard time to begin with getting free agents. I mean, Horford was really their first big free agent pull um, and then then Gordon Hayward. But before that, I I mean, they never really pulled in free agents. Um, Ray Allen was a trade. Kevin Garnett was a trade. I mean, it's just been one of those things for them. So uh, even if they had the cap space, I think at this point it might be too uh, too difficult for them to uh, to bring a guy in. Andy Celtics, are they a playoff team next year or no? Uh, they wow. won't add another. They're like independent. I know people mentioned maybe they'll trade for Mike Conley or something. If they don't make another just huge splash, are they a playoff team without Al Horford and Kyrie Irving? I I was taken aback by the question because. It's just crazy to think where they were a year ago. I actually just looked up their 2017-18 over-under. Or no, not uh, 2018-19 over-under like a couple hours ago. It was 57 and a half. Um, wow. And it's, it's been less than a year since then. And, and now I'm being asked the question, do they make the playoffs? And it's a valid question. <laughs> um, goodness. I guess if your starting lineup is Terry Rozier – Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, Marcus Morris, and Baines, I guess. Or <laughs> I'm going to say they make it because I, I think they have a pretty good system in place. I think Jason Tatum probably gets back on the developmental track we thought he was on after his rookie year. I think Brown will be pretty good. Um, and, I, and I do still think the East is a lot better in the last two or three years, but I still think there's going to be a big hodgepodge from like five to ten. And I think Boston can kind of rise towards the top of that group. But the fact that it's not a given that they'll make the playoffs is pretty crazy. I want to ask the same question to Mo, but before I do, do you guys want to know how many possessions the Celtics played with Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum with no Horford and Kyrie Irving last year? Oh my gosh, I didn't even mention Hayward when when I was laying out (laughs) that hypothetical starting lineup. Wow. He should be Uh, better next year. I think that's an important thing to note as well. Yeah, he should be. That that's for sure. But man, uh, I mean, it's just crazy. I'm, I'm, anyway, going, the, I'm going less than fifty, Dan. Three hundred and twenty-two. Wow. wow. Okay, I, never mind. That's uh, more than I thought. I think what helped there is because Hayward and Brown came off the bench for so long. Oh, uh, um, okay. And their most used lineup was with Tyson Rozier, and just overall in those minutes, this is up against a ton of second units, plus fourteen point six per one hundred possessions. I don't know if you can count on. Gordon Hayward re-reaching top 25 status, and you definitely need more playmaking on this team. I would tend to think that they would make the playoffs fairly easily in the Eastern Conference. What about you, Mo? I think they make the playoffs. I think, to be honest, this is the kind of team that uh, Brad Stevens probably coaches better than when he does. Bring back Evan Turner, you know? 
you know, well, you know, if they can make a, a, a <laughs> sign and trade and send Al Horford to Portland, I'd be, I'd, I'd be okay with it. Um, but I think the, uh, uh, I, I, I think the, like, uh, Andy was saying like five through eight is going to kind of be a mess in the East. I think, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, but I think this is a team that ain't, or excuse me, Stevens will probably get the most out of, and he'd have a better job coaching this team than he did, uh, the previous team when they had more talent. He just kind of seems like a guy that does more with less. Um, so I think that's, uh, I'm going to go with, they're going to, they're going to make the playoffs and probably around like six, maybe seven. Well, that's that's the Celtics. They took their offseason. Even if you thought Kyrie Irving was going to leave, uh, their offseason took quite a turn. If you need more on them, Mo and I did play stay or go with all of their free agents. We already got Al Horford wrong. So spoiler there. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're rolling. Um, so the Lakers, the I don't want to get in like into the weeds with this because of how complicated and how many different scenarios are laid out, but. What's happening right now, this is per Woj, Bobby Marks, I think Shams is in on this too, just a bunch of people talk about it. They're trying to expand the Anthony Davis deal, reshape it, include a third team so that they can either create max cap space or they're going to be able to complete a, a free agency signing in succession with the Anthony Davis trade on July 6th. So you need to have enough salary going out. I think it's $21.6 million to bring back. Anthony Davis's deal. It does look like they're just trying to suss out a third team to take on other players, which include Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, uh, Jamario Jones. I the thing that confuses me here, and I think I said to Mo on the podcast that I was of the mind that the Lakers had to know the implications of completing this deal on July sixth, and all of what's happening now makes me think that they did not understand the implications of completing the deal on July sixth, and I'm just wondering. Mo, is that a wrong assumption to make? And if it's not, how wild of a miscalculation does this end up being? So I don't know if we'll know for sure one way or the other, right? Whether they knew or not. Um, But if they didn't know, it seems like it's par for the course for this front office and this organization. It seems like this is something they would do. They're going to go get the the trade and everything that we should be talking about now and and should be about how great of a trade it was this is a big move palinka's first big move by himself and all of that stuff but instead we're looking at it going like man they've really screwed this up like it's it's i again i don't know how you you don't have that kind of in the negotiations when you're talking to david griffin and i don't know how you give up all those picks uh you know, and and I think part of it is because you just want to hold on to Kuzma, like the guys they're trying to move. Uh, you know, they have very little value to any team, and the thing is, you're giving away all these picks, so it's not like you can attach a pick for some to make it interesting for a team to take them. Somebody really has to believe in in you know Mo Wagner to 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 do this like you know and 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 he hasn't shown a single thing to give a team belief you know over the past year so it's it, it's just kind of it's it's this is typical lakers over the past three or four years you know make make a big step forward and take two steps back they make a big move last year by getting lebron um you know some of it was you know some of the, i give them some credit for it but also part of it is lebron wanting to be here and then they screw it up by just bringing all the wrong guys you could bring in. It's like, let's just make it as difficult as possible. And then this year, you make the big trade for AD. You give up a lot, which we talked about. And I thought, like, well, you, you had to go get AD. 
but you screw it all up in the process because you're either not paying attention to the details of how to get max space. And, and now you put yourself in a situation. First off, also, I don't understand how when you're making this trade, you're not talking to Clutch Sports about like, hey, AD is going to waive that four million, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Like, I don't Real. understand. Like, He'll recoup it with his Space Jam cameo. Yeah, like yeah. all of this just doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, God, are you guys that bad at this? Like, is this really like and, – and if you're a free agent when you're looking at this going like, okay, cool. So I'm going to sign the max there. They basically are going to trade everybody on that roster except for LeBron and Kuzma and, and, and maybe like Alex Caruso or something. I don't even know if he's still on the roster. I, uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> you, you know, for AD and then you're going to sign a free agent. And then you're going to have to use the vet minimum and and I don't even know whatever exception you might have um, to to fill out the rest of the roster when everybody else is going to have a ton of cap space around you. Like it's just this is just poor, poor job of paying attention to the details, roster construction altogether. Like I, I, I I'm sorry, I know I. I this is one of my rants, guys. I can't help myself. Whenever I talk about the Lakers, I just shake my head at the stupidity that they do sometimes. Andy, before you tackle that same issue. There have been people on Twitter that floated that this was sort of part of the Lakers plan because they signed Jones to that two-year deal with the team option at the end of March. I'm just, my thought would be if this was part of their plan, I don't one, don't understand it. And two, why it wouldn't be coming out, you know, 72 hours <laughs> after the fact that they were trying to do this. Who, who was saying that signing Jamario Jones was a part of this plan? Just, I guess it's like salary matching fodder, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I saw it from multiple people on Twitter. It wasn't Woj or Bobby Marks. I'm just saying, oh, man. there's there's no, the Lakers still have avenues available to them, but this was, I I no longer, I tried to give them the better for the doubt, and my point is now, I no longer believe that they understood, at least in full, what was happening yeah. with this Anthony Davis trade. That sounds like Lakers exceptionalism to me, whoever threw that up there. Um I I don't have a lot to add uh, beyond what Mo already so eloquently gave us, but I I am here for Hoodie Mello on the Lakers. <laughs> I am here for Mario Chalmers. I am here for Kendrick Perkins. I am here for Chris Anderson, and I am I am here for as many second round picks on the roster as possible. I thought I like I think I literally started laughing out loud when the report came out that. Basically, hey, we we want to trade the rest of our roster so we can get the cap space we thought we would had we thought we would have, and then we're gonna go buy a bunch of second round picks to fill out the roster. And I just thought that's that's literally never been done outside of NBA 2K. I, I cannot wait <laughs> for them to put together this roster that's three max players and and just all vet minimums and second rounders. It's it's incredible. Um, <laughs> like Mo said, they will have they will have some exception that they can use, but. For the most part, if they go for that third max guy, the rest of that roster is going to be it, – it's just going to be wild. I can't wait to see how they pull this off. Uh, it's just, I'm sorry. It's just, it, it just drives me nuts, guys. Like it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just so bad. Like you, you get a Ferrari in LeBron, maybe a little bit of an older Ferrari, but still looks really cool, runs really well. And you just screw it up. It's like, you, all right, we're going to drive it over every speed bump we can and, and and just wreck the transmission, wreck the suspension, and just crush everything that makes this car valuable. And then we're going to get – and we're going to get gifted a Lamborghini and, and, and a young Lamborghini, a nice Lamborghini, fresh, not a lot of miles on it. And 
we're not going to get anything else. We're not going to put any gas in it. We're not going to help it. Along. Like, it's just, it's all just so stupid. Like, I just don't <laughs> understand. Like, I. Hey, what's, what's Rajon Rondo in this analogy? Back <laughs> with the Lakers. <laughs> oh, he's definitely going to be back. But, you know, like, he's kind of like, oh, God. There's, there's oh, like, there's like insulting cars, I want to say. Like, he's like a mini coupe. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, he. God, he, he, you know what he is? He's a Jaguar. He, he, he looks great. You, you, you think of him as, as, as a beautiful car, but breaks down all the time and never delivers. Andy, where oh, do you man. fall on the Mo says that he would, if you could, maybe he didn't expect it, you know, at this expense that the Lakers or all the hoops are jumping through, but he says he believes that it, it like makes sense to go after the third star rather than if rather than um, chase role player depth. Where do you sort of fall? on that argument because I think that's been even if the Lakers can get max cap space should they burn it on that third star does it depend on who the third star is or do you think that they should just go after depth wait is that one for me sorry yeah, I missed because Mo and I tackled this in the last pod and he he actually convinced me that the third star is the smartest play and I was I came in thinking you know what I think I'd rather have depth but he he swayed me on the third star making the most sense can I can I let me just let me just say this real quick Andy do you trust this this front office to <laughs> to bring in pieces around the edges to Man. find guys? Like, do you think yeah. honestly they're probably looking at Jimmer Fredette as a po- possible starter right now? Well, like, you picked the wrong guy to throw that yeah. joke. At. <laughs> I was just gonna say the same thing. <laughs> oh boy, this is gonna be great. <laughs> you thought my um, Jay Lynn takes were bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was like I was gonna pounce on depth and I think I probably still would go that way but that is an excellent excellent point to throw my way right before I give that answer because no you can't really trust this front office to do that uh the idea of Seth Curry that I've seen floated around a little bit that makes sense to me um gosh I don't even I I need to like pull up a list of free agents and think what other guys would be interesting but I tend to think that if you've got like 25 to 30 million in cap space whatever they end up with you might be better off with three like plus rotation players as opposed to one max guy. But <laughs> maybe maybe their ability to find value at like eight or nine million a year isn't much better than their ability to find um, value at the vet minimum, like relative to the vet minimum. <laughs> so if you could default to the third max guy, I, I do kind of see your argument there. I, I mean, I think if it was me, I would still try to go the depth route. Um, but if it's me and trusting it to the Lakers front office, that's, that's maybe a different question. Yeah. I think also, and, I, and I'm sorry, Dan, I know I'm talking too much. That's no, no, not at all. What I do. Um, but the other thing too, is, you know, if you have a third guy, like a third, third star, whoever it is, uh, a Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, whatever. A, a third guy you can rest lebron some nights you know and and, and yeah. still and still think you have enough with the two guys or it it covers you should you know ad twist an ankle and is out for a couple of games like i think that kind of matters whereas if we're we're building around that like the thing is with this 32 million i just don't know how many great pieces you're gonna get because seth curry might cost you 12 or 13 million you know, like, I mean, he might get a ton of money. We don't know what, what team's going to get out there and bid, you know? So it's, it's, it's interesting in that sense of like, I'm not sure 
like it's got, it's a great time to be a free agent because there's a ton of money and a lot of teams are going to go swing for the fences with the Warriors kind of out of it. So I think it's it's going to be interesting. I don't know if you can stretch 32 million across enough pieces. So let me just get you know one another damn good piece is 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 really kind of my thought. But also I just I just don't trust this front office. Right. I mean, if you turn if 32 million becomes like Seth Curry and Terrence Ross. That's a problem. Like you'd rather have the third star, but I think there's more to it. Simplifies the process for the Lakers front office because you know that Kemba Walker is good. It, and whereas if you task them with finding depth, they're going to have to turn over some rocks and things are going to get complicated. And clearly, that's not something that this this regime is equipped for. Let's say we're the GMs for a minute, or we're the front office. Who are some guys you think might be in like that nine, ten million a year range? Like, let's say they could get three. I, I just would, pulled up a list, so I'm kind of cheating. But um, you're definitely cheating, man. You're not kind. Of <laughs> I well, mean, I'm gonna, go ahead, Dan. I was gonna say I would. I know Mo said Seth Curry could get twelve or thirteen, but I think he's a guy that probably falls into that range. That would just be a perfect fit there. Um, I, I think he's probably around eight or nine too, but like Mo said, you never know who's going to swing for the fences on a it random takes guy one like that. asshole. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fair. Maybe a guy like uh, Aminu, I know that he had a terrible playoffs, but he'll get a ton of wide open threes when he's playing next to LeBron. Not that he didn't get those in uh, Portland and miss them during the playoffs, but that's someone, at least you know, who's going to try hard on defense. Um, it's, I mean, the list is probably Patrick Beverly is probably going to be too expensive for them if they have to chain themselves to that eight to ten million dollar range. And I guess that's where it gets difficult. You know, you could throw out names like he would be interesting there too, though. He would be really interesting. Damari Carroll would be interesting there. Uh, we talked about JJ Redick on the last pod, but those he's a guy that's going to cost more than eight to nine million, most definitely. Danny Green's the same thing. Maybe Darren Collison is someone that's when you're when you're chained to that eight to ten million dollar range, it gets difficult to find quality talent. Probably especially because of how many teams have cap space this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, I like Darren Collison a lot. Like I think Darren Collison would be a good a good fit with this team. Like I think that's something that I think they should be looking at and, and a and guy. A UCLA guy. Yeah, you know, as much as uh, and you guys will learn this. I'm very anti UCLA being a Trojan <laughs> myself. So um, My brother went to USC, so I hear you. Oh, there we go. We're part of the family. Funny story. I'll give you guys a quick funny story because I was with the Clippers when we had Darren Collison and him and I, we never referred to each other by each other's name. I would just call him Bruin and he would just call me Trojan. And we would (laughs) say it in the same tone as Seinfeld would say, hello, Newman. Oh, Um, that's awesome. and, And literally it was nothing but trash talk. And then at the end of practice, you know, every now and then him and I would play, you know, where I would just play defense, but we'd play one on one and I would just do nothing but talk mad trash. Of course, get my ass kicked, but I nothing <laughs> but trash um, kind of thing. But that's a, a, a small little story for you on D.C. Um, I think he'd be I think he'd be a good fit for that team because he's good off the ball, can defend, can can run the offense a little bit. Um, I, th- I think that's just a good guy for them. Is there anyone else that springs to mind, or, or, or are we finally allowed to get onto the Rockets since the Lakers have, ju- Lakers have just stolen so much of all these other teams' this time? Can we – one more time? Man, I'm sorry to Toronto Raptors, man. You guys won a championship. You had a hell of a parade, <laughs> and ain't nobody talking about you guys. I mean, the only time it's we crazy. talk about you is when we talk about Kawhi leaving. Uh, Kawhi, when did the finals even end? Was that like five days ago? 
Last Thursday, I, yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's crazy. That's look, brutal. So, look, hey, Raptors, congratulations. All right, let's talk about Houston, guys. Get, hey, and also Kawhi is on a diet of alcohol and dessert per video with Serge Ibaka. So, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Fantastic. I, listen, guys, listen. If I'll be honest with you. If I won a championship, man, I'd be in such bad shape till September. <laughs> um, well, I'm in pretty bad shape year round, so it doesn't take a championship for me. I was actually I was getting mad at the NBA because all I wanted to do was squeeze my workout in, and I was talking to Andy about it, and shit just kept breaking. And of course, I felt like I needed to respond to it. Um, also, did you guys see the video of Kwai imitating his fake laugh? That was yes, funny. that was incredible. That was a moment that I'm never going to forget in my life. It's we've we've spoke we spoke about this last time. It's weird when robots show human emotions. Like we don't know how to. I, I didn't know robots could have a smart sense of humor. It's 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 scary that he's beginning to have sort of a, a sense of self, guys. We should be a little bit afraid. You know, I robots gonna happen. <laughs> What's up, Blue Wire listeners? This is Jack from the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple. We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL offseason. Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. Houston Rockets, I don't want their fans to feel like we're shortchanging their exit interview segment. It's just that this team, it all just comes back to all of a sudden this turmoil that is enveloping them following the playoffs. We know about the weird Mike D'Antoni contract negotiations. They gutted his staff. Uh, They offered him a partially guaranteed one-year extension that he turned down, and then they reignited negotiations without his agent present. and. They like came to. They didn't come to a handshake deal, but D'Antoni told them um, to hash it out, and now we haven't heard anything since. And then before we recorded this pod, a few hours before we recorded this pod, there's been some just rumblings that everyone in Houston, aside from James Harden, is available. Daryl Morey went on a radio station in Houston a few days ago and said he actually wants to get a third star. He's not taking calls on Chris Paul. Yada yada yada. Vincent Goodwill from Yahoo Sports reported today that things between tension between James Harden and Chris Paul is unsalvageable and that Chris Paul went as far as asking for a trade at the end of the season. Maury then came back. This was via both Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle and Zach Lowe of ESPN and said that none of this was true, uh, that that didn't happen. Chris Paul and James Harden both were, I think on Instagram had comments of this was all news to them. Andy, what do you make of this situation going on in Houston right now? Do you think there's going to be a major breakup tight move do you think the house is actually on fire is everything fine is it, is it just somewhere in between it's there for a team that pushed the warriors to six games a season after pushing them to seven this whole thing is just melting my mind i am going to say it's not quite as crazy as the goodwill report um because i i honestly as i was reading that i thought this sounds like a parody like a, a basketball comedy movie um Maury's response was pretty forceful. So I, I guess my answer is it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two. I think they would trade Chris Paul if they could. <laughs> um, but you and I have talked about this even today, Dan. It's just it's really hard to find a Chris Paul trade that makes 
a lick of sense. Um, you posted one in the Bleacher Report rumor tracker today that I thought makes about as much sense as any of I as any that I've seen um, for Chris Paul. But even that one, you're like, I'm I'm not sure Miami would do it. Uh, it's just so hard to find anyone who could reasonably take on Chris Paul's contract. It, it, it's just it's one of the least tradable in the league. I mean, how many, how many can we say are definitively worse or more difficult to trade? I think maybe John walls. Um, Andrew Wiggins is up there. I think the people who Wiggins, were calling yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's in a league close to its own. I just, I think that takes it a little too far. I, I mean, three years and $124.1 million, a lot of money, but there are, I could probably come up with 10 off the top of my head that I would not rather have than CP threes. What and, do you think Mo though? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, Listen, it's really screwed up over there. Um, I don't know if it's at the at the level of the Goodwill reports. I don't think the I don't think Paul is demanding a trade and 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 all that. Um, but we do know the Rockets would trade CP in a heartbeat if the right opportunity came their way. It's it's like you were saying, Andy. I just don't know if there's a a good trade out there for them that would even. I mean, he makes so much money, so any team that would want him is going to have to give up a ton just to be able to to get him unless they're going to absorb him into his cap space, which is going to cost the Rockets, you know, some other assets, which, you know, they don't really have a ton of them. It's a, a, a tough situation. I just don't think they can move him. Uh, I, I, for, and it's not because they didn't try. I mean, it seems like they tried since the moment they've been out of the playoffs. But the thing that's really kind of just disappointing about the whole situation, all the way to the D'Antoni, you know, coaching staff and 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 lame duck situation and all of that it's like if they just chilled for a month <laughs> like if they just from the moment they lost they said all right everybody chill out everybody just relax nobody nobody panic it's fine okay let's just see how this thing shakes out i mean we would all be talking right now of like damn th- this is the rocket's chance one move here yeah, one small absolutely. tweak there and they're going to be a team, even even with the AD trade, we would still be talking about the Rockets have, this is their chance to get to the finals and win the championship. Like, we would be all over it. But instead, it's like they decided to light their hair on fire the moment they lost that playoff series. Which, by the way, you got to win. If KD goes out, you're healthy, you're up, you, you know, you you have the next two games. Like, you got to win that series. I'm sorry. it's I, I, I don't buy... Um, any, any anything else other than that and but you can't kind of just act this way and it was so bad and that bizarre press conference with uh uh tillman fertita who i want to say Fertata every time i say his name um doesn't his name sound like a good name for a hamster too i don't know why but a hamster yeah dan you threw me for a hell of a loop on that one where did <laughs> hamster come from <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I, I I don't know it was when he first bought the Rockets. That's what I think I tweeted Fertita. that. <laughs> okay. Make that happen, Dan. Uh, Dan's Dan's hamster. If anyone uh, needs a hamster name, mascot right there. For, for... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he has that bizarre press conference when they couldn't come to an agreement with D'Antoni. So, so it's just like you you just have so much bad energy and bad vibes going into the summer and 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 probably into the next season. Uh, you know, with the whole D'Antoni lame duck, he's not going to be able to get good assistance because he's a lame duck because you fired all his assistants. So anybody that's that, that's going to get a, a good assistance going to get job offers. He's not going to go there because he's going to be back on the market in the next year. Um, you have listen, 
Harden and, and, and CP, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to go on another rant here. It's like this was a total miscalculation all around from these guys. Chris Paul went there thinking he could change James. You know, thought as arrogant as that is, he he can coexist with James. And it worked the first year, but eventually it kind of just fell apart as he got older. James Harden thought he was getting a younger Chris Paul. That's not how age works. This is not Benjamin Button, right? Like this is one of those things where as he gets older, he plays worse. It just kind of happens to everybody, um, you know, uh, unless you're Vince Carter who also might be an interesting guy for the Lakers, just throwing that out there. Um, but the the idea that these guys, like, we all knew this was coming. All of us knew this when CP got traded there. We're all like, man, and you're going to give him this huge contract? That's not going to end well. We all knew this was heading there. And the dumbest thing of this whole thing is if they were just able to calm down for, you know, 30 days, they'd be in the, they'd be at least in the top three in, 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 chances to win a championship next year instead they're just too they're just too kind of insane about everything and they and i really think they blew it and this is going to affect their locker room we're going to get all the spin you know going into the season oh they've made up they've done this i saw it firsthand with the clippers you know we had it the whole thing where it's like chris and blake are finally getting along they're on the same page like you see that that would normally set chris off and that would normally set blake off said listen but the second something serious happened they fell apart. And that's going to be the same thing that's going to happen to Houston next year. So they went from a chance to really being a contender in my mind to now I'm like, man, they're going to have a locker room worse than the Boston Celtics. The couple of things on this one, they had every reason to not overreact too, because everyone thought before catastrophe hit the Warriors, the prevailing thought was that Kevin Durant was leaving. And so that immediately is caused just to hold serve because if he leaves the Warriors, I understand that you lost those final two games of the second round when he wasn't playing, but the Warriors going through an entire regular season without Kevin Durant and then having to get into the postseason is different from having to play without him for a few games in that series. So I think that makes this looks even worse with those rumors getting out too. I fully believe because Goodwill wasn't the only one to report this. Was it? I don't know if it was in that McMahon piece for ESPN, but that Fertitta has been complaining about Chris Paul's contract. I fully I totally wholly believe that, which is just that just sounded that's like sounded so natural when I read that line. But go ahead. Yeah. So and I think it's been reported twice. I don't want to attribute it just to McMahon in case I'm wrong, but it wasn't just Goodwill who had that in his piece. So I fully believe that. And then the other thing was I was just going to throw the trade that I talked about with Chris Paul. And I think this would be the ceiling on a return. I know Andy's thoughts. I'll be curious to see what Mo thinks. I, what I came up with was James Johnson, Goran Dragic and number 13, for Chris Paul. It's pretty much a dead even salary match. I can't see I my thoughts to Andy were I don't know if Miami would include the pick. I also can't see the Rockets getting more or trading Chris Paul for less. I mean, that'd be great for Houston. I don't wow. I just don't see I don't see Miami doing it. I just I honestly don't think they can get uh pieces for him really that's that's gonna make a lot of sense. Like it's I mean, it's just so much damn money. Like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to send them anywhere that's really good. Um, so it, it's just because they have to empty everything they got, which means they're not going to be good anymore. Um, and, and it's not that I think Chris sucks. Like, guys, I think the thing where, where I'm at with Paul is like CP can give you 25 to 30 minutes a night. And and he may not like that, and that might be a problem with 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 him. But it's like I think he can give you that many minutes. Um, it sucks you're paying him this much, 
but I think that's kind of where you got to play him. And, and I just, I just don't know if Miami does that. Like I, it doesn't, I don't think it helps them with their books down the road. Cause you know, you still have CP for, yeah, <laughs> CP for three more years. I mean, for them, I mean, they're going to finally get rid of uh Hassan Whiteside after this year. Um, I, I, I think they could slowly start to kind of get, get better. Now, if this was CP three years ago, I think they make that trade. Um, and would have to include that pick, but I just, I just think now it's just one of those situations where it's incredibly tough. Um, let me ask you this question though, guys, there's a lot of talk and I don't understand it, but there's a lot of talk of like Jimmy Butler and Houston's going to go really hard after Jimmy Butler. Would Writing love- about that right now, as we speak, <laughs> what is the, I wouldn't, they don't have a pathway to getting max cap space. It's, it's, it's crazy. I don't know how they would pull it off. And this, I don't, I mean, sign-in trades are too complicated because you have to make sure that you're, I think the receiving team has to be under the apron after the fact. And so that becomes tough for Houston. What is their, their best trade chips are going to have no interest to Philly. Clint Capella and Eric Gordon. That's not, Philly has Joel Embiid. They don't want Clint Capella. I mean, would it be be PJ Tucker and and, and Eric Gordon? Would that be something that, that interests them? It would be, I think that's something that helps Philly, but at that point, you're only looking at like $23 million going into Philly. And so then Houston can't. You still have to trade. find somebody to take Chris Paul somewhere. You can throw, well, yeah, I mean, but if you can make it work with the money, you could, I think Nene, uh, player option, 3.8 million, they have a few non guarantees. So then if you do PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon, the money works there. And I think you would, at that point, you're automatically hard cap. So I don't know. I don't know what you fill out the roster with. That theoretically works, but I, I would be curious. Would that in, would either of you, if you're Philly, does that if a package, let's just say it's feasible, built around Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, does that interest you? If if Jimmy Butler wants out, if he wants out, yeah, like I would do my damnedest to keep him. I think he really proved his importance in the playoffs in terms of uh, being a clutch crunch time scorer. And the fact that it really felt like him and Embiid kind of, it looked a little rocky at first, but sort of found a a, a common ground to the point where Embiid's like, look, big men aren't going to score. You know, we're we're not the guys that that are really helpful in crunch time, you know, and, and, you know, that was a very mature thing of it. And and he kind of deferred to Jimmy down the stretch of games and, and he paid off for them big time in the playoffs. So I, I, I think ideally you want to keep him. If not, I mean, that's pretty good. PJ Tucker's a tough dude, good defender, can can hit the corner three. Eric Gordon's a hell of a player. Uh, I I think that's a pretty good sort of kind of comeback from you do that and then bring hopefully bring back Tobias if you're Philly. Um, I I would just be worried in tight games who they're going to go to. I don't. I I would be shocked if that something like that ended up happening. I think their best bet if they want to get another high-end player or a star would be you have to package Clint Capella with that extra salary, let's say Eric Gordon, and then you just need to empty the first-round pick clip. Like if you're, let's just say, and I know the reports are that Washington doesn't want to move Beal. If you're Washington, do you consider Clint Capella, uh, Eric Gordon, and three first-round picks for Bradley Beal? And then if you can send another salary back to Houston to make the money match evenly. I don't think Houston, to me it doesn't, I understand that star power is going to be better to PJ Tucker, but I almost feel like it could be more of a lateral move, particularly if you're going for a player who's more offense first and you end up having to trade PJ Tucker in such a deal. Maybe with Butler, it's different because he's such a tenacious one-on-one. 
defender, but if you have to give up P.J. Tucker in addition to a, a few first-round picks to get that big name, it almost, not that it's not entirely worth it, but it just it makes it less worth it to me. So maybe I'm crazy there, number like one. We're almost approaching the same discussion we just had with the Lakers. Like, who, who's going to be left on the Rockets if they do find a way to get Jimmy Butler? Well, I mean, like they, I mean, they basically emptied out their, do you remember how ridiculous that trade was? Yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff going on with that one. Yeah, that's, that's like, true. Like they, they sent out, I don't know how many second round picks to get a bunch of people on like guaranteed or non-guaranteed deals to include them in the trade that they'd be waived. I mean, I mean, it was like 40 people felt like we're in the trade just to get CP, um, you, you, you know, so it's, it's, I wouldn't put it past Daryl to, to pull off some sort of magic. It's just, I'm at the point now too, though, where I'm, I'm really beginning to suspect Daryl a little bit as a GM. Um, this, uh, I, I think he's heavy, too heavy in the analytics and I think it's, it's, it's hurt the team. I think they went all in on this, uh, where we're only taking threes and layups philosophy because analytics says the mid range is a bad shot, not understanding what the true value of the mid range is. And and I think it's uh it's it's really kind of hurt them as an organization and, and kind of moving forward. So um I just I just think they're man, I just think they're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that if you're the Wizards, if they unloaded a clip like that, if it was Compella and Salary Phil, and I'm gonna say it's Eric Gordon, and you're gonna get two to three first round picks, do you start to consider that deal? Because for what you just said, Mo, it almost makes that package look more enticing because if you believed they're fucked and you can get some distant future first round pick commitments uh sort of like the pelicans did with the lakers i don't think a deal because bradley beals not anthony davis is going to look so similar in structure maybe there's pick swaps in there though too does that become more enticing or a feasible framework or am i just completely overvaluing what capella and houston's future first might look like to a team in washington that if they get rid of beal is going to be kind of at a quasi restart point I, I kind of like that for Washington just because I don't know you're not you're just treading water right now for every day you keep deal you know and 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 you you're trying to remain an interesting team even though John Wall is gonna you know be out for for all next year right and 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 you know it's 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 just one of those things where it's like you know, you're just treading water. You might make the playoffs every now and then and, and things like that. You're about you, you're going to have to pay Beal a ton of money. Um, I think it's interesting for them to 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 come away with with Capella, who, you know, I like I don't love um, and, 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 and a bunch of draft picks and Eric Gordon like that's that's something I would consider. I, th- I think they should be considering trading Beal. I don't I don't understand why why they're not. And, and maybe we might see that on draft night. But um, if Houston could come away with with Beal. And have kind of Harden, uh, you know, the thing about it is Harden's got to be willing to pass. You know, for as much of a, as many assists as he gets, he doesn't seem like that much of a willing passer. I know it's so counterintuitive to what the numbers say, but it's like you almost feel like he's like, fine, here, take the ball. Forced um, assists, I think I saw someone call it. Yeah, you know, or like I call them selfish assists. I call them like, oh, I can get my assist now. You know, like I need to get t- my 10 assists or I need to get my numbers up. And I kind of just feel like that's the case with Harden. I don't know if that works for Beal. Like that's just another guy that, you know, it, it, he he Beal would thrive with CP running the show. I don't know if he would thrive with Harden running the show. So it would be interesting. But he's a good name for them. Um, you know, I I think the Jimmy Butler stuff's pretty 
pretty damn difficult to pull off. Um, so, you know, I think they do have to go look at Beal and, and, and see what is, what else is out there. I mean, as much as I, I'm not that excited about what Moray's done, he's, he does find a way to pull off stuff here and there. So, um, it's, I mean, God, I, I think they're screwed, but you know, Daryl might pull something out of his ass and I'd have to be impressed. Wow. I'm cursing a lot today. It's a good, um, thing. It's a good thing. This is a family friendly pod. Um, really? No. Um, <laughs> two, I got so, Oh, if you guys could have seen my face, I nearly crapped myself. Don't oh, worry. I've we're never, over an hour in the, the eight and nine year olds dropped out already. I cannot, that'll no. that maybe that should be your goal. I cannot get Andy to say any profanity on this podcast. It's always just me being the only degenerate. So I appreciate you coming on and, and dropping some F bombs. I do have two That's questions. The only time you'll catch me is in pickup, pickup basketball. I, you cursed me once at a text message and I almost died. <laughs> I don't even remember that. <laughs> um, the two, so Andy, I'll start with this because this will lead into my last question on the Rockets. Do you think that there are going to be any major changes to this roster, or are they going to come back? Um, forget you know free agency; they're not going to have a ton of money to spend anyway. But do you think the Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, PJ Tucker, James Harden, Chris Paul core is going to be what the Rockets start the 2019-2020 NBA season with? I think it is, but not for lack of trying. Like I said earlier, I, th- I think they're going to explore uh, absolutely Chris Paul options. Uh, I think to a lesser extent options with the other guys. Um, but I, I think they have just kind of locked themselves into this. Like Mo said, um, it's kind of funny. I just updated the the rumors tracker for Bleach Report, and my last sentence on the slide was, if if basically if anybody can pull it off, it's Daryl Morey. Because um, he did do some cap gymnastics the likes of which we hadn't seen before for that Chris Paul trade. So maybe, maybe he's got a few more tricks up his sleeve to make a major shakeup. But when you just look at their salary sheet right now, I pulled it up to, to make this update. Um, there is so much money committed to uh, four guys, five guys. If you want to throw in PJ Tucker that, I mean, they're, they're basically over the cap with just those five guys. So it's, it's really difficult. I don't know how you trade James Harden from like um, a, a narrative. Like how do you justify a James Harden trade? How do you make a Chris Paul trade uh, to any team in the league for the reasons of his age and, you know, all the drama that's come with him for the last few years. I'm making giant hand motions now that you guys can't see. Um, (laughs) Trading the other, the rest of the guys makes a little bit more sense. But when I just look at this salary sheet, long, long answer short is I I do think it's probably going to be this same general core. What about you, Mo? Um, Yeah, I, I I just, cause I just can't see, what the value is. I mean, even if you watched Capella, he, he, he struggled in the playoffs, you know, in, in that uh, warrior series. And, and, and I think we're going to slowly see a shift from some of these big guys, you know, who can only do one or two things. Um, you, you know, I don't know how valuable he is. Uh, it's, it's, I just, I just can't see the moves that they would make. I mean, if it's stuff, it's small stuff around the edges, you know? Um, and, 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 and I just, I just, yeah, I don't, I, I'm flabbergasted. I, I don't see what they can do. Yes, I would be shocked if the core is busted up before the season, um, which then the final topic for me would be, what does this team need most? And then are there any free agent targets that stick out to you for what they do have? I broke this down in an article I wrote. They do have a path to keeping the core intact while having the full mid-level exception. But That's what I was going to ask you. I don't think that 
they would explore it one because even if they have it, I think you need to divvy it up among players anyway. And I don't know how interested um, Daryl Morey would be in working under a hard cap for an entire season. It's at least not something I think that you'd want to do right away. So the taxpayers mid-level is 5.7 million this year for Tito already committed himself to using it to whereas if the Rockets don't, it's a problem. He said in that McMahon article that he wanted to be under the tax in one of the next three years and Maury got him there this season. So you absolutely need to use all of it. I'm not saying on one player, but uh, you need to tap into that money more so than you did this year. So Mo, what does this team need? What is it? What is its biggest area of need? And they're obviously they're star chasing. So they're not going to solve that with the mini MLE, but is there any free agents that might fall into that price range that you could see helping them. And if either of you need a guide, I wrote down free agents for them before, but none of them are going to wow you. So spoilers. I, I, well, I don't think they're in a position to get wow guys. So yeah, go yeah, ahead, Mo. they're just, they're just not, you know, and, and, and y- y- you know, the honest truth is I don't even think they need a guy as much as they do kind of need to overhaul their offense a little bit. I think being too isolation, I'm kind of, it's, it's, I, I agree with Chris Paul, like Paul is right. And when he's saying that they need more ball movement, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, it'll make, and it'll make things easier for them. What they really need is they need Harden to understand that they, they need to understand they're going to be a better team if he gets off the ball a little bit more and, and, and then works to get back on it, you know, be easier for him even. But, you know, some of these guys, they, they're, they're so dead set in their ways. It's impossible to change, change them. I don't even think. If they brought back this entire roster back, which I don't think, like I think Austin Rivers is gone already, and and I mean he practically, I mean burned the place down as he was walking out. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, like I don't, I don't. Um, but if they brought these guys back and just sort of ran uh, an offense that had just a little more motion, and then and then brought Harden into isolation situations, I think they'd be fine. I think they'd be in a good situation. But I just don't think that's something they're gonna do. It's 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 it drives me nuts. Like I, it it, I, it frustrates me as a basketball guy. Um, I have a number that uh, Mo just inspired me to look up. Um, if I cut James Harden's total isolation possessions this season in half, where do you think he ranks uh, for total isolations? Number one. Sit. You're correct. Yeah, it's it's not even close. Like I remember, now now I what if I. What if I do it uh, down to a third? What if he only had a third of the isolation possessions he had this season? Where do you think he ranks? One. <laughs> Correct. Still <laughs> first. Let's see if it go. He he. If I cut it down to uh, if his isolation possessions were a fourth of what he put up this season, now he's in second place behind Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. So he could cut his isos in half and still have a massive – lead league lead for total isos replace <laughs> let's say we even just lop up a lop off a fourth of the isos and ha- add a little ball movement to the mix like mo's talking about i i think that could make a world of difference it it would be it, like there were times when harden would be off the court and it looked like and and, and chris was running actions and stuff you know it it, it looked like they i was like wow okay they, they, they can kind of put some stuff together here you know the other thing too is mike d'antoni has a ton of stuff in his bag. You got, I mean, the Phoenix Suns seven seconds or less team had a lot of actions that were difficult to defend. Chris Paul can run that stuff for you. It's not a requirement that he has to beat his guy off the dribble. It's, you know, a bunch of little actions there that they have set up. So it's just like, I don't understand why you have a guy 
in, in, in D'Antoni who has a ton of great offensive stuff um, that you're not going to use. You have a guy in Chris Paul who you basically just turned into a corner shooter when James Harden is in the game. Like, it's just like all of this is just like you're not even using your tools right. I, I just really think if they went back into their lab, retooled a few things and, and got buy in from Harden, got buy in from Chris and the rest of the guys, they'd be fine. But that's not going to happen. It's just not reality. These guys are all set in their ways. James wants to continue to get his numbers and compete for championships. Oh, excuse me, compete for MVPs, not championships. And, 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 <laughs> oh, and, 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 and I think that's <laughs> no, it, it drives me insane. It really pisses me off. Like one of the most important things, Jeff Van Gundy said this to me once. Um, I, I had to drive him to the airport once. This was a long time ago when I was in college. And, and, and he said to me once, he's like, the funny thing is like, Guys always tell me, you know, they'll do anything it takes to win. He goes, but he's like, I always counter that with like, well, what are you going to give up? Because that's really what it takes is what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? That's going to what piece of you that you love so much that you're willing to give up. That's going to take you to the next level. It's not. Can you do more? Because you've been trying to do more for a long time and you're not getting anywhere. So are you willing to do a little bit less so that everybody else can thrive and we can get to the next level? Or are you just continue to just count on it and, and, and think it's yourself? It's along the lines of like, yo, if you're going to win, you got to sacrifice. Plain and simple. And I don't think Harden's that guy. I'm sorry. I, I think he's an amazing player, an unbelievable offensive talent, despite never taking a mid-range shot, which drives me absolutely batshit crazy. But the whole thing is just like, but, it, it, but he's a selfish guy to me. And he's not and at the end of the day, and I might catch heat from fans or whatever, but he's just not a winner at the end of the day because of that. That is going to be the segment that Blue Wire just cuts and promotes yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it now. Um, Andy, sort of same question to you, I guess, even though you were in agreement with him. Um, and so maybe we don't you don't need to talk about what this roster actually needs. Are there any like free agents on the cheap you you think that might be a good fit for this team? You think Cephalosha would sign there for the vet minimum? He was a name that I thought of just because I think that he mimes, albeit to a lesser degree, a lot of what PJ Tucker does for them defensively. Yeah, I think he can guard multiple positions. He's been a, a pretty reliable three point shooter for the last he shot few a years. Percent from three this year in Utah. Yeah. only like twelve minutes. So a I, I think he's game. an interesting one. Um, he was a name I had written down. I had four, and you yeah, let me hear the rest of your list. I had Darius Miller. Just because he he doesn't do yeah, anything besides shoot. That's an interesting threes. one. Just have him catch and shoot. Stand him in the corner. <laughs> um, Garrett Temple was another low end option. I thought. Yeah. Just someone who might be able to dribble on the wings um, and hit set threes. Mo, feel free to chime in too whenever you're. Uh, if you feel well, like- I, everybody, everybody, you're you're talking about. I'm also thinking in my head like, oh, they might fit for the Lakers. It's and 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 <laughs> and, 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 and that's really kind of what both these teams are going to be competing for the same guys. You know, if you're yeah. if you if you're one of these guys, where would you rather go? The Lakers. Probably the Lakers. Yeah. This so this next name I think is one that they wouldn't have to compete for, just because I think that the with the Lakers anyway, uh, because he's I think there's too much overlap positionally of what LeBron and Kuzma would do. He's not the same shot creator, obviously, but Wilson Chandler, just after the I, I thought about throwing his name out there too. And that might just be something. Maybe he can shoot better on threes in Houston than he has been over the past few years. Maybe he could stay healthy for a season for a change. Yeah, I, he's an interesting one to me, too. Um, I just like thinking of guys standing in the corner in Houston. This is this is like way off track. <laughs> but did you guys uh, see Kurt Goldsberry's thing about adding three seconds 
to the corners. I, I heard that. I I have problems. <laughs> I actually find it interesting, which is weird because I'm a guy who loves the three point revolution. Uh, I love how many threes are taken now, but some of his ideas, I'm, <laughs> this is going to be something for a different podcast, but um, just thinking about the Rockets and the way that they play with ISO after ISO after ISO and you other four guys just go stand somewhere and, and wait to catch and shoot. Maybe, maybe that three second violation in the corner forces teams to move around a little bit more. I don't know. I, my problem with it, it and this was, it, this isn't anything about, you know, Kirk Goldsbury stuff. It's, it's just like, I think the game's fine where it's at. I think we're going to, I generally agree with that. Yeah. We're, we're, we're seeing basically the Rockets offense work in the regular season and not in the playoffs. Like we're Which just seeing, that alone might force them to adjust. You're right. And, 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 and it's, so it's like, okay, so if teams are going to do that, they're going to be easier to defend. They're going to be easier to scheme. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to stop them because you still have to have the guys to, I don't know, actually defend. Um, but the but the, the idea is like there's no uh, unpredictable stuff that you expect to happen. There's no creativity in that. There's nothing that we really have to worry about. We just we know these are the shots they want and we got to take that away. And And so I think it's kind of, you know, if teams want to play that way, they better be like not damn good. They better be like freaking amazing at it. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise they're going to get exposed come playoff time. And that's what's happened to the Rockets every time they've they've come up against the the uh, the Golden State Warriors, except for, you know, when when CP got hurt the the year before last. So I just think it's uh, I, I, I find like when we try to correct these things, we end up screwing up the game a little bit more. I think the game's fine. We don't need to mess with it. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I'll agree with you, too, as well. <laughs> the the final final thing on the Rockets. Time for another edition of of stay or go. Don't even need your justifications. Just going to go through some of their key free agents and see whether you think they will or or won't be back. Um, we'll start with Mo and then Andy right after him. If you can go, that'd be great. Um, Amon Shumpert. They they do have his bird rights. Hello. I thought Mo was going first. I'll say go. Oh, oh, sorry. I was on mute. Sorry. I didn't even realize that. I said my thing <laughs> that nobody said anything. And I was like, well, why aren't you guys following up? Uh, no, he, he stays. Ooh, Andy. Um, I'm going to, I'll go with go. I think he's going to go too. Um, Daniel House, rest- restricted non-bird free agent. I feel like that's the oh. rarest free agent. The, the whole house thing. Do you remember that when they couldn't come to yeah, an agreement in the mess. middle of the year and it was like, oh my God, they're really struggling. I'm like, it's just dudes like, really, we're really stressing about this guy. Um, cause he's restricted and I don't think he's going to get a great offer anywhere else. He stays. Um, I'll say stays. I'm going to say he stays. And I think he's a little bit more important to this team than what might be giving them credit for, though. He did crap the bed in the playoffs. They just don't, they need wings is really what it is. Yeah. Uh, it, Kenneth Fareed, non-bird free agent. One of their mid-season acquisitions. Mm. He gone. I'm going to say gone, too. Yeah, he's gone, too. Uh, Gerald Green is listed as a non-bird free agent. I'm pretty sure they have his early bird rights. Um, either way, I mean, early bird rights would obviously help them keep them, but Gerald Green, Mo. Like you said, they need wings. I, th- I think he stays. He, I don't yeah. Think. Houston hero, Gerald Green, stays. <laughs> uh I'll say stays too. 
I think the last guy really here worth talking about, Mo already, I think, hinted at what's going to happen with him. Austin Rivers, non-bird, that midseason <laughs> acquisition. He already left. <laughs> He's gone. He's excited to uh, join Kedrick Perkins on ESPN. It seemed like they had a, a fun time together. You don't think Austin Rivers is going to be in the NBA next year? No, I'm uh, joking. Okay. <laughs> oh God, I have a hot take. <laughs> No, no, I, I am joking. Yeah, but he's gone. Do do either of you have anything to add after this almost 90-minute pod? Might be our longest ever. This is what happens when you put me on a pod, guys. I ramble. Um, Good I, thoughts, I, though. Uh, I, I, I might have went a little hard on the Harden thing. <laughs> the, the, I think the overarching thing, takeaway here, is that the Rockets should not be this much of a cultural disaster when they're – in such a good position now more so than ever, at least competitively. Yeah, like, I agree with that. They, they yeah. could walk into the best record in the Western conference next season or top a top two record. I think, <laughs> I think Mo put it very well earlier in the podcast when he said, if they would have just taken a step back and chilled, we probably all would be looking at them that way um, with what just happened to the warriors. Like it, it really is wide open and <laughs> I don't know, six months ago we were talking about this being one of the best, backwards ever so yeah they they certainly can be just fine if they can just sort of put out these little fires and and get everything back under control yeah the one thing i'll say is these aren't little fires yeah that's yeah you're probably right and and the problem is if they don't put this out like yesterday there it only gets worse it becomes the full on forest fire that uh the that we get so often here in california so uh that's that's all I got, guys. Sorry. Is there anything to both James Harden and Chris Paul coming out immediately and acting like nothing's wrong? Like, does that help at all? Or is it just I think that it? says a little bit. But like I said earlier, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle of all this. I mean, it's just it's it's what you would expect. Like, I would almost expect them to do that. But I mean, considering if we believe the reports where they didn't even they weren't even talking to each other during the season at some points, like it's it's like, OK, like it's just like. All right, we we we've come together for this one moment to deny this report, and now we if, go back to yeah. that. Like that. If we if the Vincent Goodwill thing is a hundred percent true, then it it may already be a forest fire. Like that yeah. that thing was bad. Yeah. So I mean, that's an extinction level event. If that's all true, it's not a forest. <laughs> I think fire. I think they're close to it. I think they're close to it. They were so close. They were on this. It's such a fine line. They were so close to us just talking about how great they're going to be next year. To, yeah. to to now, I'm wondering if the asteroid hit them. All right. Well, I think we've we have sufficiently uh, exhausted Celtics, Lakers, and Rockets talk for one night. All but those small market always, teams getting some love. Yeah, as <laughs> always, um, you guys can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Andrew D Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favale. F A V A L E. Mo is at Mo Dackel. You're gonna have to correct me on the pronunciation. Dan said Dakeel. Is that Dekeel. how you do it? Dakeel. Yeah. Okay. Mo Dakeel underscore NBA. M O D A K H I L underscore NBA. Like I was telling Dan before we started recording, my only interactions with you, Mo, have been uh, via text on Twitter. So yeah. this is cool to actually finally be able to <laughs> talk to you and now pronounce your name correctly. I've been saying. I, I, I think I've probably said it a bunch of different ways over the course of time, but it is Mo DeKeel. Find him on Twitter, too. The show is at Hardwood Knox. 
the uh, podcast network at Blue Wire Pods. You should be following all of these accounts and throwing out at you. They will enrich your lives. I guarantee that. Um, as always, we urge you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you've already done that. You need to coerce friends and family members into doing the same. They will thank you for it later. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.